Welcome to the very first Digital Side Hug Podcast. This is uh, David Rubio. I'm the host of the Digital Side Hug, and hopefully on this podcast, uh, you are going to hear some stuff that will bless you. Uh, Probably you've heard about this because you are a youth minister or youth worker or youth pastor or someone who makes it their job to work with young people. Um, that's what I do. I get a chance to do that at a congregation, a church in, in Middle Tennessee. And I'm excited to have conversations with other youth ministers um, and to learn a little bit myself. So I'm here today with uh, Buster Clemens, who Buster, I don't think it's any secret, you're actually my youth ministry hero. That's right, David. I am. <laughs> I am your hero. And somewhat... Buster, the inspiration for this podcast, and we will get to that in just a minute. But first of all, the, the name Buster, is that your real name? It's not my real name. I'm Olin. Olin. Olin, named after my dad. I'm a junior. Okay, Olin Clemens, Jr. And uh, so you, where, tell us real quick where you're working. Tell us about your family. Just some right. real quick stuff. Uh, youth minister at Highland Church of Christ in Memphis. Been there for 26 years and uh, married to Kim. We've been married for 31 years. We have three kids. Our oldest is married, and the other two are in college. Well, it's an honor and a blessing to have you. Actually, we're recording in Buster's house here in Memphis, Tennessee today. And Buster, what I'm going to do first, and this will be kind of a regular part of the show, as it were, uh, on our podcast we're going to do what's called a Blitzkrieg Get to Know Me, where I ask you some questions, and we're going to roll some fun music, and you just kind of throw out the answers. There's right. just no wrong answers, okay? Because this is Let's Get to Know Buster. All right. So, Buster, tell me, what's your favorite sports team? Roll Tide. You're a Bama fan. Now, does that I'm go for all fan. sports, or, or are you a you classic I'm Alabama? An, I'm a classic Alabama football fan. Okay. I'm a fan of the Memphis Tigers in basketball. So, but the but because I went to school there. You're a roll. But I've tie. been an Alabama fan since I was a kid. That's right. Okay. So my next question would be: I know there have been some awesome victories over the years. What it, was this last Iron Bowl the toughest loss you ever experienced as an Alabama fan? Yes, it's not even close. Yes, one second left in the game. Are you kidding me? Can we talk about something else? Next what? question. So this was worse <laughs> than the Cam Newton. Experience? It was probably worse than the Cam Newton experience. Yeah, sure was. But now both of those They're both losses terrible. cost you essentially <clears throat> shots at national championships, right? Absolutely, yeah. We could be talking about the potential for five straight Could have years. been five straight, but Auburn, you know. If it weren't for these two heartbreaking losses. wasn't for Auburn, yeah. Of course, Auburn's probably going to win. Okay, we'll switching see. gears now. Um, what is your favorite sports movie of all time? Oh, probably Remember the Titans. I just love that story. I think it's a great story. So I think that's one of my favorite okay, sports Okay, yeah, movies. Denzel Washington... Love that movie, yeah. Uh, the feel-good cool. football movie. All right, so you live here in Memphis. I know you're a Memphis Grizzlies fan. Absolutely. Give me your favorite current Grizz player okay. and your favorite all-time Grizz player. I think Zach Randolph is my favorite player right now for sure. I mean, Zach is just – Zebo doesn't mess around. No. And, you know, he doesn't bluff. <laughs> so I love Zach. He just plays so hard and with that attitude and just so good. I mean, he's an all-star. And then I think my probably my favorite Grizzly that I've ever seen in Memphis and been around was uh, Shane Battier. Shane just was classy, yeah. typical, professional, did a lot in the city, made a big difference. And I think that 
he when, when Memphis when the Grizzlies came to Memphis he was one of their first picks and he was the first group of players in Memphis that we all fell in love with and he was he's just a great guy so yeah those two and he hit that giant shot in San Antonio to win our very first ever playoff game on a day that his daughter was born. It was a great his story. Was born. Great story. Yep. For Shane Battier, a, a, a much beloved Memphis Grizz. Okay, Asking Can Be Fun is a sponsor of the show, Dr. Morris Gregwire. If you go on Facebook and you just type in Asking Can Be Fun, uh, he has got hundreds and hundreds of great conversation starters. Youth ministers like us love to ask good questions. They get the conversation going. So so each each week, essentially, on the podcast, we're going to ask another question from Asking Can Be Fun. This one is question number 403, Buster, and it is, who is your high school's most beloved alum? Well, besides me. Uh, of course, where'd you, yeah. where'd you graduate? Smyrna High School. Sp- Smyrna High School. Okay, yeah, let's go ahead Smyrna and say you, can, you cannot besides be myself, the correct yeah, answer. No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone even knows anyway. Uh, I think that probably the most famous guy from Smyrna is Sonny Gray. Sonny is a pitcher for the Oakland A's. He currently pitches. He's currently pitching for the Oakland A's, and uh, he was a great college player. I think that Smyrna won two straight football championships whenever he was the quarterback, and he they also did really well in baseball. He went on to play in college, got drafted. He got to pitch in the, uh, what was it, the American League uh, Divisional Championship this year. Okay. And so everybody was talking about him. And then the first outing, it went really well. They beat Detroit. And then the second one, I don't think it went so well. But he's really well known. Our last get to know me question for you uh, in this Blitzkrieg will be, okay, there's a button in front of you. If you push the button, you can never leave the city of Memphis again. If you press the button, you must stay within the city limits of Memphis, Tennessee for the rest of your life. If you don't press the button, Buster, you must leave the United States on a plane today and never return to the United States of America. Do you press the button or not? What? <laughs> the whole, got to leave the country? Yes, yes. You go anywhere you want. Oh my goodness. Outside of the U.S., you can never return to the U.S. I thought you were about to say. Or hmm. Puerto Rico. <laughs> or to the other. <laughs> yeah. Yes, any, any U.S. territory. Um, Wow. Just make a decision. Yeah. And you got like 20 seconds to okay, press it. Okay, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, I guess I'm going to press it then. <laughs> this is where your son and daughter-in-law live, yeah, right? They, I mean, they all live, they can come see me. Yes. Okay, so you stay I'm in good. Memphis. I'm staying in Memphis City for, for the rest of my life. Where Zebo evidently is going to make his hometown, trade right. or no trade. That's right. All right, so we're transitioning now <laughs> to real stuff. Buster... You, I say you're the inspiration for this podcast because I was driving down the road listening to Bill Simmons interview somebody about sports, and I thought to myself, what I would really love would be to have access to a podcast where someone is asking Buster Clemens how he's so awesome at youth ministry. You know, how has he done it for so long? What would he do in this situation, or what would he do in that situation? And Literally, I was driving down the road thinking, that's what I want, is a podcast where somebody takes Buster Clemens and asks him questions, as well as the many other youth ministry mentors that, that I know are out there. Um, and and I thought, you know what? I'll just start this podcast. I'll, I'll do it. I will do it myself and make this available to, to me, uh, as well as potentially others, although currently I don't, I don't even think anyone knows about this podcast. 
Um, so Buster, I want to ask you some youth ministry questions. And I know you've, you've been in ministry for 27 years at the same church, which is incredible to me. When I started in youth ministry here in Memphis across town from you, my dad said, you got to go talk to Buster Clemens. I think you'd been in ministry at that point about seven or eight years. And my dad thought you were awesome. And he just said, you know, why don't you get some pointers? And uh, we sat down and you helped me get started in ministry. And we have stayed friends. You have continued to be a mentor for me. But I've moved twice. I'm, I'm at my third church now. I've been there 11 years. I want to make it 27 years at this church, you know, you have been able to stay in ministry at one place that long. That is so rare. How did you do that? What are the keys to staying staying somewhere that long? What, what I just think keys? I think that uh, it's just really important that you be at the right church. I mean, I've been blessed to be at the right church, where I'm a good fit. They're a good fit, and uh, we all get along. And I was a volunteer at that church before. I was a volunteer at Highland before I became the youth minister. So that helps. I'm also at a church that shows a lot of grace. And so I've been shown a lot of grace and forgiveness over the years for just, you know, for when I didn't do things that were maybe that smart or that great. But uh, I feel like I'm at the right church. I agree with them theologically. Uh, we, we have the same philosophy of ministry. It's just a good fit. And if you're fortunate enough to be placed in a situation like that, it just makes it a lot easier to stay there. Uh, as far as things that I have done, the two big things that I try to remember all the time, and that, that's number one is don't screw up. I mean, I tell people that all the time. When guys ask me, how do you stay? I say, well, just don't screw up and you can stay there and don't leave. But mainly I, I've seen a lot of guys uh, leave ministry because they did something that was sinful. They made bad decision after bad decision and eventually caught up with them and they weren't allowed to continue doing ministry there. Uh, even though they love the kids and love the church, they just got caught in sin and kind of quit taking care of themselves. So the first thing I would say is don't screw up. You have to stay close to God yourself. You have to have great support, a lot of people involved, and then accountability for your own actions. And I don't mind having that. I like having that. I do have that, and that's helped me to, so so far, um, to be able to, to not do that. And then I think the second thing, the second big thing, big picture thing. That you is can do. That I think that you can do as a minister is to just do your job. A lot of guys seem like they take it easy. They kind of set it on cruise control and just kind of get by doing just halfway, uh, not taking it seriously, not working hard, not showing up on time, not working enough hours. Uh, and just not really doing their job. And I, I think that is, I think that's wrong for one thing. So yeah, I would say um, do your job and don't screw up. All right. So if there's a youth minister who just, who's interviewing at a congregation right now, how, how do you know the church that you're trying to decide whether to go be a youth minister there is the right church, is a church filled with grace? I mean, is there a way to know that i mean you yeah. you said you volunteered there so yeah, did already you already kind of have an inside look at this congregation before you said yeah, yes in my situation i mean my situation is just so different than almost everyone's but you were in business i knew that yeah i was in sales and uh was a sales rep and a volunteer in the youth group so i kind of knew i didn't know all the inside workings of the church but i kind of knew what the church was about and what type of church it was because i'd seen the way they had treated people uh, before you know the whole time i'd been there so I think you have to ask a lot of questions. I encourage guys that are interviewing at a church to ask the hard questions. And 
find out from people what what happens when someone messes up. How do we treat that? Um, what do they talk about the most? Are they are they talking about grace? Or are they talking about works the most? Uh, how forgiving is this church? How forgiving and loving does it seem to be? What's its reputation in the community and with other believers? I think there's some questions you can ask. It's better to ask those questions ahead of time than to find out the answer is not what you thought it was later on, I think. And I think that's something that happens to guys a lot of times because they're afraid to ask the hard questions because they might not get the answer they want and they might not get the job. But I think you're better off knowing that ahead of time than being surprised about it later when it raises its head up. And being a volunteer there, you you could get a genuine sense of the yeah. the type of congregation that you were yeah. at. Yeah, How long did you volunteer before you took the, the probably about three years? And you were in sales, probably making more money than you than you did in ministry when you when you switched to ministry. Or certainly yeah. there was the potential for much greater yeah, a different income. Deal. Why give that up to do this? What about youth ministry drew you in? You know, it's the weirdest thing. I don't know. I just felt the calling because I love doing the volunteer work. And I remember talking to the youth minister, talking to Mike Waldrop, saying, man, it'd be awesome to get to do what you're doing and get paid like that. That's all. That's an awesome job you have. Uh, I would yeah, love to is. be able to do the stuff I'm doing now and be involved in kids' lives, make a difference, feel like I'm doing something meaningful, um, and be able to make a living out of it. And he said, well, actually, you can do that. But I didn't have a degree in Bible or any of that kind of stuff. So anyway, I just felt led to do it. And when Mike left... Uh, we had moved away and still had a lot of connections at the church. And somebody called and said, hey, would you be interested in just talking to us? And at first I was hesitant, but I, we thought about it and said, well, yeah, I'd love to talk to you about it, but I don't think I'm qualified because I really still don't think I was qualified academically or any other way. But um, anyway, why, it just worked why were out. They, why were they willing to hire somebody that wasn't qualified, <clears throat> do you think? I think they were looking at more than just my academic – because I – my academic credentials. They were looking at my involvement and Kim's involvement. Kim and I had been really involved in uh, several families' lives and then helped out a whole lot and been on all the trips and been on the mission trips. And we just had a great relationship with a lot of the parents and with a lot of the kids just from our volunteer uh, time. So they valued something about you more than your credentials. That's what they said. That's that's <laughs> cool. Um, okay, so... Is there a key to balancing family and ministry? You, you've got three sons that are all grown, two are in college, one is, is married right. and kind of out in the workforce. A lot of youth ministers get out when their kids are born, or maybe they get out as their kids sort of get closer to that age where they're going to be entering youth group. You stayed in through the whole thing and made it work. How did you and Kim do that? And there's, is there a key to balancing family and ministry? I don't know. I just I think we spent uh, a lot of energy and effort making sure that our kids had a great experience with the church and that I spent plenty of time with my boys as a father, and then I made that the priority. I don't think I tried to balance it. I tried to make sure that my family was was first and put them first. And so uh, we tried really hard to make sure we did that. And our boys loved the church. They loved going to church. They loved the youth group. They loved it when the kids came over to our house or when we went on a trip. So when they were little, they would go on retreats. They'd go to camp. We went on a couple of mission trips with them when they were little. Taking all three of them was, you know, sometimes crazy. And, you know, I would have to be working and Kim would end up, you know, missing a lot of the trip. But the boys were there and they were around the kids at night or in the mornings. And if we had a VBS, you know, they'd go to VBS just like all the other kids. Mm -hmm. 
And they'd run around the camp, you know, and just doing whatever they wanted to do, having the time of their lives. And so they thought that was great. And so for us, it was a positive experience for them to be in the youth group because they got to do stuff that the big kids got to do. But then uh, when they started getting close to being in the youth group, we kind of started pulling back on that and letting them, making sure they were just doing their age-appropriate things more with their friends and not giving them special treatment. So that when they got into the youth group, it was something special to them as well. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, well, I've been doing this my whole life. Uh, They treated it like it was a big deal, and they felt like it was a big deal when they finally got to be in the youth group. And I think having another youth minister, uh, we had hired Donnie in 2000. So Donnie Stover's been working with me since then. And then uh, having, he, he's kind of been their youth minister. You know, I'm still their father. But when they're at church on youth group trips, Donnie and when Brooke was there, uh, Brooke was the uh, female youth worker. And so she, the two of them and their families really took in our family and our boys and helped kind of minister to them. And that, that was who they could go to when they want to talk to a youth minister, but not their dad. Yeah. So that worked out really good for us. I know Memphis Work Camp is a big deal. You you and, and uh, helped to start that 20-something years ago. 25? Yep. And uh, y'all been painting houses all over the city of Memphis for free in Jesus' name since then. Do you, why do you love Work Camp so much? And, and maybe you could answer that by telling a story. I mean, what, what about Work Camp? Well, I just think whenever you are painting the houses of people that can't afford to do it themselves, and we would knock on their door and tell them, hey, looks, we would love to help you uh, get your house painted and fixed up. And they say that, you know, they say praise God or hallelujah or, man, you guys are an answer to a prayer. I've been just praying about how I'm going to get my house fixed. And then you knocked on my door. Y'all are sitting here from God. You know, when you hear that kind of stuff, and then you hear teenagers at the end of the week talk about how, this they feel like they were doing what Jesus would do, which is serving people that need help and uh, doing it unconditionally. I think those are the those are the two big things: the homeowner's reaction when they see their house before and after, and then the teenagers that come and even the adults that come. The difference that it makes in their life because they they see the city differently after they've worked in urban areas. And so, if you've worked in Orange Mound or you've worked in South Memphis painting a house and you've gotten to know the people. Uh, you find that they're not much different than the rest of us. And uh, I think it does it does a lot of people good, including the workers. So that's what I love about it. I think it's awesome. Have you ever blown it? And what I mean, obviously, you, oh, you haven't yeah. gotten fired. So, you you know, in the Absolutely. sense of you haven't blown it that badly. But oh, I, I can look at you and yeah. think Buster is, you know, obviously just the best you right i would never do anything like right you couldn't screw up that all of us have made mistakes and done things that are just really embarrassing so so do you do you have a story of or a or a a time where you just blew it and wish you could go back and do it again and how'd you deal with that i think the one that i think about first when you ask me that question is there was a student that was coming to our church uh, and he was unchurched his family was unchurched he lived with his mom single parent home he was overweight, quite overweight, and uh, he ended up getting baptized. And so when I announced his baptism, like after it had happened, uh, at the next time the youth group was together, I made fun of that guy. And I made, I basically made fun of his weight. And as soon as it came out of my mouth, I wanted to grab it, you know, how you want to reach out and grab those words? Yes. <laughs> that happens to me a lot. And I wanted to grab those words and pull them back because I Were thought... Were you trying to be funny? I was trying to be funny and thought it would be hilarious and... Because everybody knows that I like the guy. We got along great. I mean, I love him. 
But I what? just said that as a, I don't know why I said that. How old were you at the know. time? I mean, where, where is this in your 27 years? I was old enough to know. <laughs> I was probably 40 years old when I said uh, it. I was a grown man. <laughs> I'm a man. And I'm you 40. knew as soon as it came out of your as mouth. As soon as it came out, I knew I shouldn't have said that. So I had to call him because he wasn't even there. That's another thing. He wasn't there when I said that. So he wasn't there that night. So I had to call him and apologize to him. He wasn't at home when I called him. His mom answered the phone. So I Did told her what happened. to make fun of him? Were you meaning to hurt I don't think I, I didn't mean to hurt him. I was just kind of making a joke at his expense, though. At, in the moment, I don't guess you felt like you were talking yeah. about it behind his back, but you, but. Yeah, but I that's did. That's what it was. And as soon as I did, I went, oh, that's a terrible thing. I mean, you can't do that. You just can't do that. I would say I don't do that. I would never do that. But actually, I did. So, yeah, I have some. I have a lot of moments like where I've said something. Wish I hadn't said it. Usually trying to be funny or popular. Mm-hmm. You know, that's probably the worst one ever. That's the one that always haunts me when I think about it. But we're okay. So every youth minister deals with the tension between connecting with students. Like I want to, like a youth minister feels that internal. I want them to like me, to laugh at me, to think I'm funny, to right. think I'm cool. How, what's the? How do you balance that with not going too far. Man, I don't know. I just think you um, you have to relate to them, but you don't have to be their best friend. They have their best friends already. I think it's more important that you be a, a spiritual leader or mentor type person, be an adult person who can uh, not talk down to them, but just kind of show them what it's like to be a Christian at your age and to encourage them and inspire them. But you don't have to do the things that they do or like all the things that they like in order to relate to teenagers. In fact, I don't think that they want you to. I know at my age, now that I'm in my 50s, I know they don't want me doing that. That's just stupid. Yeah. But I think even if you're in your 20s and 30s, they don't want you acting like a high school kid because they don't. you're not a high school kid. Why would you act like that? Anyway, I just think you have to be careful and be confident in that who you are um, be confident in who you are and what you like to do and don't like to do. You don't have to pretend to be somebody you're not in order to relate to students. The, the National Conference on Youth Ministries is coming up in a couple of weeks. You have been going all these years. I know you yeah, several years ago you were the president of the, of the National Conference. Um, it's meeting in Daytona this year. Why do you still go to that? I mean, you know everything because there is to know. Great. No, I don't either. I, I go because, well, really for two reasons, I guess. One is... I like to learn new things, and every year I go, I learn new things. I learn new, just ways to teach, new things that are going on with students, new insights into Scripture from some of the lessons that we hear. I mean, I just, I learn a whole lot of stuff at the conference. And then the second thing is relationships. I have great relationships with a lot of people. Some of them, I only get to see them at the conference because they're all across the country, and this is a national conference. So I just love getting together and talking to guys that are in the trenches that are doing what I'm doing, and learning from them, find out how they're doing. So I get ministered to, but also go to kind of, you know, maybe there's somebody there I can encourage and maybe inspire them and let them know that, you know, they are making a difference and it is going to be okay. And so try to be a shepherd a little bit, but it's, but also learn myself. All right, well, we're getting real close to the end here. Do you have a final kind of word for youth ministers? You know, what's in, in a parting shot? For advice? Well, I would say um, stay in the Word. Don't forget to pray and read your own Bible for yourself and keep growing. I think you, you can't just keep doing the same thing. 
teaching the same lessons. You have to stay fresh and keep growing yourself. The only way to do that is to take care of yourself spiritually. And if you're married and have a family and all that, then you need to make sure that you're taking care of them. And be the type of husband and father you need to be. And if you're not, you just need to be the godly man. Be a godly man or godly woman that God has called you to be in whatever stage of life you're in. Just keep keep the faith and don't quit. Don't quit on God. If you quit youth ministry, that's one thing. But don't give up on God because God is faithful and he will provide. All right. Buster Clemens. Well, it's the digital side hug. We haven't even Man, really made like physical a, contact. I feel like I need a side hug right now. It can, well, we can go full frontal. Side hug is fine, but I want to, yeah, I'm going to, I'm not really much of a side hug guy. I uh, I love to I love to give big bear hugs. So Buster, thank you for being a, a hero awesome. in my life and a, an inspiration for me. And also, I'm gonna as we sort of finish the podcast out. How about the Grizzlies versus Houston tonight? Or how do we have a shot on oh, the road? Yeah, absolutely, it's on the but Houston road. Houston just okay. beat you know beat the Spurs Antonio. last night. Yeah, at their place. We're gonna take them. We're gonna take them. We're gonna win every game. The Grizzlies are never gonna lose again. Well, Buster, I love you. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Who's going to be on the digital side hug next time? Do you know? We don't know. I don't know. Let's find out together.